This is episode number 162 of the Rising Man podcast with Madeline Moon. Masculine and feminine are the two poles that create all life. Welcome back, Rising Man family. Thank you for joining me here today. Jetty Azuma at your service, hosting another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you guys to go ahead over to risingman.org slash elements and get yourself enrolled in our three-day wilderness immersion. It's all happening March 5th through 7th here in California. It's going to be an amazing opportunity for a team of men to go out into the wilderness together, scouring the landscape, doing it the way we were meant to do it out there in the wilderness, testing our abilities and learning what we were made of out there together as men. So go ahead and get yourself registered March 5th through 7th, risingman.org slash elements. Look forward to seeing you there. All right. Our guest for today is Madeline Moon. Madeline is a walking permission slip, a devoted teacher and an ecstatic for love. As one of the first solo run female podcast hosts, she has steadfast loyalty to the listeners of her top 50 ranked show, Mind Body Musings. She yearns to spread sacred union, the infusing of the innate feminine with the innate masculine, summoning what she calls divine Sisu. Her group coaching program, the Sisu Society, teaches women how to remain extraordinarily devoted to love above all, even in the face of suffering. Her work and story has been featured in hundreds of podcasts, as well as various publications such as BBC, The Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Thought Catalog, Men's Health, People, and ABC News Nightline, just to name a few. In this episode, Madeline brings embodiment to the conversation around masculinity for both men and women. First, Madeline offered a sensory description of masculine and feminine that invites us all to feel the contrast of these two energies. Madeline shared her own desire to soften and relax into her feminine despite having a strong masculine energy and what it takes for her and other women to feel safe in a partner's masculine energy. We talked about partnership and getting past the you complete me idea when it comes to finding your life partner. Madeline spoke about sacred suffocating, what this means, and how to provide your partner with what she needs by reading and sensing her energy. Lastly, we dove into the word boundaries, why Madeline thinks that word is causing people to become more isolated and withdrawn in relationships. We talked about healthy boundaries and how to hold them without living on the extremes. Without further ado, Madeline Moon. All right, Rising Man family, I'd like to welcome another wonderful woman who's joining us here today. I always appreciate when the ladies agree to come in here and talk to all of us men out there. So Madeline Moon coming in live from Los Angeles, California. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. Yeah, of course. You came highly recommended by a very good friend and brother of mine. And also you got to interview my wife like almost two years ago on your yes. podcast, which is pretty yes. cool. Yes. Right before she gave birth to your second child. That's it's right. Amazing. So coming back around here, let's go ahead and jump right into it because I know you and I are going to have a lot to let's chat about here. So the first question I ask everybody on the show, man or woman, is what do you believe is the difference between a boy and a man? Mm. Ah. Oh, I was thinking about this today, actually. It's <laughs> <This is> really <laughs> perfect. Because I'm, okay, how do I put this into into very clear words? There's an energy of, a boy has an energy at times of either 
tiptoeing over eggshells to make everyone happy or stomping on eggshells, just totally like dominating this. I want this woman. I want this sport. I want this. this. So it's either like a hesitation because he wants to be the good guy or there's a stomp because he's the bad boy. And I think going into being a man, there's a even kill eggshell walking where some eggshells break, some might stay whole, but it's okay because he's found his grounding and he knows where he's going. So there's more breath in the way that a man will live his life versus the sporadic chaos of the stomping on eggshells or the tiptoeing, you know, upstairs trying not to wake mommy kind of energy. I hope that that's awesome. No, that's awesome because I've never heard anybody dial it in that way. It, it actually provokes a, another follow-up question to that. It's almost the same question, but slightly different. As a woman, how do you know that you're in the presence of a man? What does that mm. feel like? What is the experience mm. of that? <laughs> I, in my own body, there I feel more grounded. I'm breathing deeper. I feel present. I'm not thinking about future or past or questioning his intentions or questioning mine. It's not that these things don't matter anymore, but I'm so in my own body because he's in his. And I can be in my own body separate from whatever he's doing. But when I'm in the presence of a man, there's a certain kind of magnetism and a captivating essence that makes all those questions that we as women ask when we're not sure about things go into nothingness. So I enter deeper into, oh, this feels good. Like I go into my feeling state rather than my thinking state because I feel he's in his feeling state. Uh, so if I'm simplifying what you said, it sounds like you're more relaxed, more at ease, not thinking or processing so much. You're able to just be yeah, where you are. The, yeah. His presence is telling me everything I need to know. If his presence isn't like really with me and he's like in, in his own head, then I don't know what I, I, the things I want to know, I don't know. And they matter all of a sudden. I need to know these things. But if he is in his body and he's grounded and he's breathing and he's like with me, I feel that so deeply that I'm being opened by that experience. I'm yeah. more present. I love that. It makes me curious. Obviously, you can only speak for yourself as one woman, but what are those questions that you're alluding to that you ask yourself when you don't feel like you're in the relaxed presence of a man? Mm, does he like this? Does he understand what I'm saying? Does he need somewhere to be? Like, who's he texting with on his phone? Or is this is this going like all these questions of like his mystery land? I want to understand what's going on in this mysterious man. And the truth normally is that he doesn't even know if he is a boy. Like he doesn't know what he's feeling. And that's not his fault. That's actually even the patriarchy's fault. Not that I'm trying to already go there, but it definitely is part of the system of men. Don't feel your feelings. Don't be like a girl. Don't cry all that. So a lot of men, as I'm sure, you know, with all the work that you do know, they struggle to feel what their own emotions are and what they are thinking. Like that self-awareness level isn't super strong. Perhaps we should say like more with the, the boy energy and then with the man energy that they're in their own bodies. They've arrived back in their bodies. So that disembodiment, dissociation is not running the show. So it makes my mind just not, I'm not sure what he's feeling because he's not expressing or revealing anything to me. Yeah. What it brings up for me to hear you say that is because I've had this conversation with lots of guys and myself being one of them, 
I don't find that it's so much because men are feeling all of the same emotions that women are. It's a human thing, in my opinion. It's that we don't have enough experience or practical experience of what to do when those emotions or those feelings or sensations arise. Because the questions that you said you're asking yourself when a man is not fully present, you can sense that he's not in his body and with you is usually the experience on a man's side of thinking counter questions. Like, am I doing this right? What do I say? Is it too soon to tell her how I feel? We're, we're all, there's this inauthentic wall between us because both of us, men and women on, in that dynamic, don't really feel safe, don't feel relaxed in ourselves. And I'm interested in your opinion on this. For me, I find that confidence comes from spending enough time and giving yourself enough experiences of knowing who you are and what is that genuine voice that comes through when you don't have to come up with the right answer to all those questions, just the Mm -hmm. real answer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think for me, a huge impactful reprogramming has been that no one's wrong for feeling the way they feel. I, I, I was very much raised in a spiritually, verbally, emotionally abusive household where if I felt an emotion that wasn't qu- like quite literally allowed, I was wrong. I was fundamentally wrong. I'm not talking like, that's wrong. Like you're flawed. You're messed up. People don't have anger towards their parents. What's wrong with you? Honor your father and mother. That kind of energy. And so as I've gotten older, let's say I'm in the presence of someone that I feel a little confused by their actions. Back then, speaking up about it, I would feel like something was wrong about me because I was misinterpreting signs. I was taking him too seriously. I liked him probably too much. Maybe I overreacted about our relationship. And because I had so much self-inflicted shame around that, I would come out swinging. It wouldn't come out like, I feel shameful. It was actually like, well, you made me feel this way. Like it was very attacky. And so once I started to heal that part about, I'm not fundamentally flawed or wrong for feeling my heart open towards this man. And he's not wrong for helping guide me there. And then maybe possibly emotionally dropping me. Like he's not wrong either. It made it so much easier for me to just present this feeling I was having of, hey, this was a really lovely night. And then the following day was really kind of, I felt a little dropped. And, and you know, this is just where I'm at and, and what I'm desiring right now. How does that land with you? Yeah. Kind of like that. Well, that's awesome because I speak from that place a lot myself. My wife and I were going on seven years of marriage and it's been a long time since I've been in that. I'm trying to present the best version of myself so that you'll like that version of myself place in my life. So for me, it's it's a lot easier for me to show up as that authentic who I am with my wife. We just have that kind of history. And I, I know that it took me a lot of time to feel comfortable and confident enough to present that and not put so much emphasis or importance on this person needs to like me. I need this person to like me because of X, Y, Z. So I'm interested in what it took for you to get to that place. What did it take for you to get to a place where I'm just going to be myself? If this doesn't work out, then that's cool. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So my dad would tell you that I came out that way. <laughs> oh, really? And I've always been that way. He always tells me that I've known myself from, from the day that I could speak. I'll tell you exactly what I like, what I want. But I will tell you that that really deepened in the last three years, actually, because I used to have years and years of eating disorders. I was a bodybuilder. I did the competitions and shows. I had OCD, anxiety, depression. So yeah, I knew who I was, but I was really like leaning on substances and self-harm to quote, find her in me. So it wasn't really true, authentic expression, whatever we want to call it. So 
for me, I've started working with two teachers a few years ago, John Wineland and Kendra Kunov. And I did their embodied relationship program, having no idea what it was about. I was already teaching feminine and masculine dynamics, and I wanted to go deeper. And my friend was like, you should do their eight-month program. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. I had no idea the difference between logically understanding feminine and masculine and embodiment. And it was through the act of using my physical body to reveal anger, reveal grief, crawl on my hands and knees as people witness me, pound my fists like an animal, make sounds like a deer, just like going to places that a original Southern Baptist Texan girl would never dream of going to and really stretching all of those all of those edges and limits that I thought I had in the box that I was placed in from birth and defying everything by becoming very messy and actually being witnessed in that, that's what's led me to present myself in relationship more in real time, like without the overanalyzing and overthinking, what will he like and how do I say this perfectly? I've started to learn how to use my body to simply reveal how something makes me feel and then also use the verbiage that doesn't lean towards shame or blame. And I really owe it to those two teachers and the places that they took me into to learn how to do this now in relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that you bring the embodiment part to the conversation. I trained with a man named Scott Cody in leadership embodiment out here in California. And he goes back through a long line of embodiment teachers, Richard Strozzi Heckler, a lot of these guys who were bringing embodiment into the personal development space. Because as you know, as you just said, practical wisdom and information can only get you so far. It doesn't mean anything until you actually put your body, your meat suit into a situation and try to see how it shows up. So I like that you're bringing embodiment into the conversation because I personally know how important that is. And before I ask you more about that, what would you say is how you define or make a distinction between masculine and feminine, just for starters? Yes, that's great, because different people have different definitions, and I'm curious to hear what yours is. Mine is that the masculine is consciousness and depth and nothingness. It's a container. It's time and space. I can get more clear on those if that seems a little out there. And then the feminine is energy, literally energy. It's like the atoms that are vibrating within our bodies and then these computers we're speaking with. It's the emotion that's pulsating through our spine and through our hearts. And it's the happy, sad, confused, up, down. It's the tsunami. It's like the volcano. It's, it's all over and it's purely chaos. There's no structure to it. A river without a riverbed is just water splashing all over the place chaotically. But once you have the riverbed, aka the masculine, there's a container for it, and together they make a river. And together they make a particular kind of flow. And so in the lineage of John and Kendra, who I mentioned before, as well as David Data, this is the way that we define these two energies is the masculine is really that grounding force. It's not the as so many people think, the hustle energy. It's not the actual action of writing down goals and taking names. It's the energy you do those things with because you can be in a very feminine state 
taking names and writing down goals and vice versa. You can be getting your nails done and you can be doing it with a very masculine stillness and presence rather than a flow and like a colorful, bright energy, which would be more feminine. So it's not the action. It's not the thing that makes something feminine or masculine. It's the energy and the level of consciousness that you do it with. I like that. Can you give us some more specifics on just characteristics or qualities that you would assign to masculine and feminine? What does masculine and feminine look like with humans out there humaning in the world? Yeah, yeah. That's great because I'm working on a book and I was writing this chapter today. So there's masculine and feminine within ourselves and then there's masculine and feminine dynamics that occur with other. So no matter what, I'm sure you know this and all of your listeners already know this, but I'll repeat this. We all have these energies active within and we have them active within across all planes, the way I do business, right? So for example, I've got my calendar, of course, time blocks, you know, this time to this time we're in this podcast and that's very masculine. That's the container dinner. I'm going to be out with a friend from seven to nine. That's masculine. It's the container. The feminine is the vibrancy and the fun and the play that happens within that container. But then we also have this within ourselves emotionally. So if I'm not comfortable with my own, mm, let's go deep. Like, let's say my, oh yeah, I have this guy in my life who is an actor and he just got a role it's going to be big. And I'm super jealous. I'm not jealous of him getting a big role. I'm jealous that other people are now going to enjoy him. I'm like, I don't want him to get big. I don't want him to be famous. I don't want him to forget about me. And so if I hadn't been working on my own like shadowy jealousy, then that would leak out in my, my wounded feminine where I would passive aggressively support him or I would not support him at all and just kind of like withhold my my body and my breath and turn my shoulder if he talked about it or just kind of like, yeah, 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 that's cool. That's cool. You got that role. It's nice. Or be like, don't go, don't do, just don't do it. You, don't go after your dreams. Like that's someone who is deep in the feminine. So it's beautiful. You're feeling, you're expressing, you're alive, but you're not meeting it with your masculine. So I would be relying on him to do something so that I don't have to feel what I'm feeling. Don't go get that part in that movie so I don't have to feel longing or jealousy. Don't do that. That's codependency. So looking at the masculine, my own masculine comes in and goes, okay, you feel this, you feel jealous, you feel longing, you feel afraid. You're afraid that you're going to be forgotten and left and I've got you. Let's feel it. Let's feel it. Let's feel it fully. Let's put on some music and move our body on a sheepskin rug, like do whatever you need to do or throw a tantrum, but feel it, feel it fully. And let's show up to that person with support and realize that it's just longing. It's just a fear that something will be lost. So that's what it looks like when... And I know you asked about other and with the world, but I feel like that's really important to talk about. Well, no, that's pretty cool because the way you described them, bringing your own masculine into that process and taking care of yourself in that way, it sounds like what I would consider a father. That's what my version of fathering looks like for my children and, and for anybody who needs fathering from me. It's like, okay, well, we're okay here. What do you want to do about it? What do you need to do? Let's do it. Let's just go right to it. And Am I hearing that as your description of masculine? Absolutely. Does that fit? Okay. Absolutely. It's a very father energy. It's even like for me, it's even a husband energy. Like I don't have a husband, but I imagine that if, like I love to think about if my husband was here and I was feeling something that he would be 
all right, I am becoming my greatest husband. I want a husband who does that or a partner who does that. And like, that's also what I need to be for myself, even once he comes into my life to stay clean from codependency. So this is great because it opens up a lot of questions questions for me. So would you say that uh, the counter to that, the feminine is more of a mothering or maternal energy and that we mother ourselves in that way to bring our feminine online to it? It's a great question. Yes, because mother is, yeah, I would say in this plane, because even with the masculine, there are different flavors of that masculine energy. Sometimes it might be like artistry or warrior-esque But like that kind of nurturing into a space from that father, the equivalent would be that with mother. Very Mother Mary-esque of like sweeping back your hair and giving you a cup of tea and saying, tell me more. Like that's the way I've been on a very, very deep mother journey this year or last year, 2020. That was my year of of mothering myself. And I'm sure it's going to come into this year, but it was very intentional. And so all year long, it was an energy of that Mother Mary sweeping the hair and I've got you, I'm going to hold you. What do you need to feel safe and warm and yeah, loved? Yeah. She's like giving you permission to immerse in the experience, whereas he is giving you permission to just simply have the experience and also putting it in a place in your life. Cool. So let's talk about polarity and these dynamics when they come into relationships. I know you just said that at least a part of you that would like to have a husband or partner who can come in and can anchor that masculine when you really want to be in your feminine space, that you're willing to do that yourself now to be a self-sustaining independent person, but that you'd love to have a partner to do that for you. Do we get to swap roles in that form? Is that something that you want so that you don't have to go into your masculine as much as a woman? Tell me more about Mm. that. Yeah, this has been a very interesting process recently for me to look at what it is that I want because I don't, I am so in that zone for myself that it's become less and less important for me to have that physically arise in my partner, interestingly. And I don't know if that's a lie I'm telling myself because not many men have that. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't need it. Or if that's true, it doesn't really matter to me because all I know is this current moment, which is like, I've got that for myself. But we do definitely, is this what you're asking about trading roles to where we like, I might be in the masculine and he might be in the feminine at times? Well, I'm just opening it up because I think it's a really confusing place for a lot of people and especially men. Because I know my own discoveries in exploring the conversation of what does it mean to be a man and what is the difference between masculine and feminine? Where does that exist? What is the role that that plays in each of us? What I've arrived to at this point is we all get to decide what degree of masculine and feminine, what ratio of those two entities we but we feel most at home with, most honest and most genuine with ourselves with. That's my perspective on it. And I feel that that's given the permission for men to be more expressive and in their feminine. If that's where they genuinely feel they want to be, if that's what creates a good life for you, then by all means, you know, I think that there's just so much confusion around it because so many men, we'll just talk about men for a minute, haven't even had the permission to be feminine at all. Feminine and man in a conversation is a very new thing that is still uncomfortable for a lot of guys to admit and to talk about. So I really just want to open it up because I don't think that there are, it's black and white and that there's fine boundaries here. And I want to get your perspective because I know you're quite an expert in it. (laughs) Yeah, this is great because interesting things happen when a man does open to his fullest expression and his emotion and she wasn't prepared for it 
or she was asking for it. Why don't you be more vulnerable? And then he finally does it and then she's repulsed. So there's a lot of work to do for women too, as men are opening up in these ways and us to do together to learn how, like, what do we desire as women? Because it's both that I'm not speaking for all women, but I know that a lot of women who do this work want their partner to be in touch with their own feminine because that feels really trustable. If he is able to accept and embrace his own emotion, then he can arrive to the relationship accepting her emotion without any projections of like, well, you're crazy for feeling that way or you know, any defensiveness because defensiveness is something that I've experienced a lot with men. Even if I'm phrasing something as, this is just how I feel, I might be met with defensiveness. Well, well, you did this. And then, yeah, so there is a desire within women for more men to melt into their truth and their emotions because we want to feel you. We want to feel what's alive in you. That's really what we want. We want to feel your heart and we want to feel you come in closer to us too. Whoever is more consumed and focused on more love in the relationship is the one in the feminine. Because you have a lot of men here, I want to speak to something that's maybe particular to me around yeah these dynamics. I tend to attract a lot of very feminine men. And so when I say that, I'll give a very clear picture. Men who, our mutual friend who connected us is not this. He's very, very in his masculine. But outside of him, I attract a lot of very feminine men who want more and more closeness with me. They desire me. They want me. They dote on me. They love me. There's never too much closeness. Boundaries almost dissolve. And processing our relationship is just an endless cycle. What's going on here? What do you like about this? Da, 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 da. Is this masculine feminine dynamic working for you? What do you want more of? That kind of energy is really appealing to me because I have mother wounds. So when I see a man who wants to nurture me, wants closeness with me, oh, I'm so drawn in because I want to feel mother. And something about that is also father, but it's also a lot of mother because I'm getting nurtured. And then I start to be repulsed by it eventually. And I start to punish him and I get angry at him and I want to push his buttons and I want to see, will he put a boundary up? Uh, Will he have some structure? Or will he finally want alone time? And it will come out, like this happened in one of my more recent relationships where I was getting very nitpicky and insensitive to the way that I phrased him never wanting alone time. Like, just go have alone time. Want to be alone, you know? So, what I love so much about me being balanced and him being balanced and both of us having harmony between our structure and our flow, our intimacy and closeness and our separateness is that when he is not letting his desire for me, his, in, his yearning for intimacy with me take control, he actually gives me enough space to feel my own longing. If he's sacredly suffocating me with his love, he just wants to love, 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 and it's so much mother energy, I can't touch the part of me that actually wants him. To be blunt, if he's grabbing my hand and putting it on his body wherever he wants it, I don't get to decide where do I want to put my hand now? 
We women want to touch our own desire. We're so used to being the desired, the pursued, and that's the way our culture is. So there's also something very masculine in that. I'm not saying it's all feminine. Like if you're bringing her roses and you're courting her, that's masculine. But there's an energy to it that can be very feminine where it's like, I long for you. Come closer. Love, 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 love. Right. Let's bookmark that for a second because I definitely want to talk more about what women actually are looking for for men. Because as I told you before we got on here, that's something that I think confuses all guys, including me. But I don't want to skip past some things that you were sharing there. So what I heard in that is the desire to have some more of that intimacy and closeness and that love and that nurturing from a man is particularly healing for you. But that at some point it has an expiration date where you're looking for a man who's to still be that container when you need that to be that container for the chaos, the emotion to pour out. And I think that what I see, what I observe is that women who are dialed up in their masculine for whatever reasons, whether it goes back to the way they were raised, traumas, et cetera, that tend to attract men who are more open and free and lovey, lovey and doting on them. It has something to do with the way that they needed to survive and get by. And that there's a part of them that wants to release that masculine, maybe not completely, because I think that we both need to possess both of these energies at, at all times in our lives, but to be able to hand some of it over, to be taken care of in that way, to say, hey, it's okay, go ahead, go wherever you need to go. And be like, really? I can just yes, really, like I got you, you can go there. And if a man isn't able to produce that because he either doesn't have that or he's not comfortable in his masculine, that eventually that's going to be something that a woman is looking for. And I don't want to generalize, but that's something that I've observed. Is that something you see too, especially working with a lot of women? Definitely. I mean, this is on the same thread, a little bit different, but if you can't stand up to her, you can't stand up for her. So a lot of women really want that. We want to feel your heart and, and that's the feminine thing that we want to feel. But we also want to know that you have a good pulse on boundaries, not to block us out, but to contain. Like that's what polarity is. It's distance to travel, literally. So if you're already in the longing and in the feels and in the coming in closer and in the mother energy, and that's naturally her state, someone's going to move out of it to create polarity. It's just nature. If the man is really in that, it's probably going to be her because she's already learned how to create masculine structure in her life. Women have a very strong masculine from the ways that we've had to protect ourselves over the last tens of thousands of years. And so, yeah, I find that dynamic to be really fascinating. Yeah. Would you say that boundaries and creating boundaries is more of a masculine quality or is that something that masculine and feminine both share? I think that's masculine. That is the pure masculine, not men. That's the pure masculine energy is a boundary. It's the river bad. And it's not, I don't even like the word boundaries. It's so used today of just boundary this, boundary that. And I have friends who are just constantly putting up boundaries left and right. And I really think you cannot be penetrated by life when you're constantly putting up boundaries. So I think there's a different word for it. It's like a sacred sandbox. You know, you're still playing inside of it and you can step out of it. It's flexible. You're not locked in like a cage and there's still a breeze coming over the sandbox. So you're still feeling the energy of life, but you've got your square that you're inside of and you can see clearly. We're not trying to create separation and walls between partners, I don't think. like The more boundary less we are, the more we forget ourselves. So there's something beautiful about that. Yeah. You know what well, I'm saying? I totally agree with you because I think we're a society of extremes where when you say boundary in people's minds, that's steal 
reinforced fortress, you know, moat, drawbridge, nobody's getting in or out of this place, right? And that's that's an extreme. And when I think of boundary, I think of like Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid comes into my head, right? It's like the it's like the unshakable version of ourselves that knows who we are. I know who I am. I know what I'm willing to compromise on and I know what I won't. And I'm available for anything that is outside of my territory. There's some places where you're allowed to come in on my terms and be in this place on my terms and everything outside of that space is open and free and I'll show up and be available for for whatever that needs to be. And that's the orientation that's helped me the most because I've also been in those extremes myself where I came from being in relationships where I was more of the nice guy. I want to make you happy. So I'm going to bend over backwards to do whatever it takes. And if you're not happy, I can't handle that. I can't be good unless you're good that the root of codependency. So part of my strengthening of myself and being able to be in a relationship with my wife is that I had to learn what was I willing to defend and stand up to but not in a way that completely closed me off from her. And it's a tricky balance. It's definitely an art. It's like a martial art of learning how to do that dance all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And something that's helped me a lot is this fact that love cannot be lost. You know, sometimes we put up boundaries out of fear. I know that one of my big issues in relationship is that I get cold. I can be cold, especially when I'm with a feminine man. It's really bad then. Actually, it's I'm almost rarely cold with a man who is, I don't even know how to describe it because, you know, I'm, I'm 29 so and I'm on dating apps. So I still meet a lot of guys who are not even spiritual. They don't use this verbiage. They have no idea what feminine masculine means. They're, let's call, just call them dudes. They're just dudes. And I don't get cold with dudes because there's something about them that's so murky and mysterious. And like, they make me a little more timid. For whatever reason, my powerful, strong goddess doesn't come up as much with dudes than they do with men who are doing their work. I re- Maybe it's a permission field, men who are really in their work. Something about being in their presence really engages my work and I can come in with more boundary and more love and more consciousness and femininity. And then those are the realms where I can sometimes get a little cold because I'm more afraid in those realms. I'm more afraid whenever their love could be lost or I get really resentful when I'm with a feminine man who's outpouring his heart and I'm facing maybe a part of myself that I don't even welcome in. I'm not welcoming in as much as I think I am. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me because just in the same way that when people are going out and dating, like traditional, what we think of as dating, you bring the highlight real version of yourself, right? The highlight real version of yourself is a small quadrant on that spectrum of highs and lows, the full polarity of your being. So what I hear and what you're saying is that when you feel safer and like there's more capacity to hold what's outside of that small highlight reel of of yourself, then that individual is going to get to experience it, which I think is natural. Well, let me ask you a question. Why is it that, because I feel very, very feminine with the dudes because they're so oblivious. Something about it just engages more of my like lighthearted, silly, young, youthful femininity. And I love that flavor. And I'm curious why she comes out more with the dudes and not so much with the conscious older men doing their work. Hmm. Well, are you familiar with Alison Armstrong's work at all? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what she would consider the male archetypes of, you know, page, knight, prince. When you say dude, I think knight. 
And I think that the night harbors so much of that natural masculine sense of adventure, possibility, nothing to lose. Almost like there's like nothing to lose that I just imagine would bring out more of that feminine, you know, kind of like, ooh, what is this kind of experience? Is that, you think that has something to do with it? That sounds very on point. Yeah. There is something so confident that makes me like, I feel my, maybe my longing a little more because there's so much distance, you know, with the king, he's not afraid to say, I want you. The distance between me and him is a little shorter. Like I can get him a little bit more easily <laughs> if I want to do it. If he wanted me, like we could go off and make that relationship happen. Whereas with the knight, it's like, he's still discovering what he is pursuing in his life. And I want to be a part of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And so it engages that part of me that's feminine, flirty, fun, and endlessly curious about this human because he's curious about who he is. And so it makes me curious. So that's great. Thank you. Well, and the reason that I think women don't, like yourself, don't pursue nights very far is because that road of adventure, it's like having a really fun night out, right? You're like, oh my God, this is the best night of my life. And you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, you're still on party adventure, not commitment road. So it, it expires very quickly, right? So it's the trade-off. And I think that for, you know, speaking to the men who have gone through, because we all have to go through, anyone who who's heard me talk about Alison Armstrong, you should definitely go check out the masculine stages of development. It's huge. The amazing development of men is what it's called. And she talks about, we have to go as men, we have to go through this stage of knighthood, which is about adventure and fun and adventure and fun and conquests and experiences before we're ready to settle down, commit, be more specific. And the problem most guys face is that we lose that sense of adventure or we deprioritize adventure as we go into commitment and structure and foundation, which makes for men to be really dry and uninteresting and kind of boring. Do you feel that from the female side of things? That men do that? Well, that we can. Like if we get yeah. if we get too focused up on what we're creating. Totally. Yeah, the mystery aspect that engages my feminine longing, my curiosity stops feeling as alive because he so knows who he is and there's not that conquering flavor that's going on. And I do think there's a... A little bit of, of a boredom. Yeah, there's a, maybe, yeah, a little bit of a boredom that I feel. And I don't know if that's, I'm sure women do the same thing though. You know, I'm sure that women have their own plateau of adventure that happens once they reach a certain age or time in their life. Well, because I, I think it's, you know, I know they talk about shadow aspects of these archetypes, right? So if we're just saying the masculine, right? One of the things that we were prone to as the masculine is to become regimented and so routine in who we are and what we do that it's like, all right, well, now I know what to expect. There's no excitement about it anymore, which is part of the vibrancy of life. And a great example of this that I just comes to my mind, because I can be very much this way. I'm very much in my masculine. I'm very structured. I'm in that middle print stage where I'm like, no, to the grindstone. I know where I'm going and I ain't stopping until I get to the mountaintop, which my wife appreciates because she feels safe in that. It's a great time for me to be in that while we're raising a small family. But there's also a part of her that longs for the jetty she met when I was 25 and I had like a Fu Manchu. I looked like a Captain Jack Sparrow coming out of Burning Man. And just this morning we were, usually she sleeps in and I take care of the kids, but we were both up and we're in the kitchen and we're playing music with the kids and they're having fun and I was dancing around just being a fool like I would have before kids when it was just the two of us and I could see that there was a different response from her 
she was like, this is awesome. I'm so happy to see this version of you because that's not me every day. I could be fun, but it's not my go-to, you know? It just reminds me how important it is to continue to be multidimensional and to have the balance of what I would assign to masculinity as the certainty, the specific, the container, the containment, like you said, and also balance that with the unexpected, the unpredictable, the adventurous, fun nature because it rounds out the relationship. I think that's the only way that you can stay in a long-term committed relationship with somebody. If it's the same thing all the time, nobody wants to do that. Yeah. I think I particularly struggle with that because most of my relationships have been very short and lots of them because I love excitement. I'm a Sagittarius moon. So it's like emotionally, like I want all these new different avenues and challenges. And I want to feel like my love is wonderlust. It's just all over exploring different flavors of humans. And I haven't yet come to any conclusions about that, whether that means that that's part of my purpose here is to like dive in and go deep and then let it be what it wants to be or to go deep with one single person at some point in my life. I don't really know, but I resonate very deeply with what you're saying because I've experienced that within myself of like a constant hunger for spontaneity and excitement. And that's part of the practice of bringing that to a person if I choose long-term monogamy. And that will be a deep practice indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since I know we're getting close to the time here, I want to make sure I get to ask you about, in your perspective, what are women looking for from men that most of us are missing? Because I know that that is, it's something that guys are just so confused about. Yeah. One thing that I believe, it's just so, this is a big question. I'm like, what about this thing? What about this thing? We want your truth at the end of the day, in the beginning of the day. We want your truth. I don't want to hear yes if you mean no. I really don't. Even if it's about you doing the nicest thing for me. If you are a no, please tell me no. And yeah, do it gracefully. Like, you know, be nice to me because it's going to make me, you know, open further hearing your no and you do it with grace. But every time I've had someone in my life that tries to please me more than they are honest with themselves about what they can and cannot handle, I have ended up backing away from the relationship because the trust isn't there. And it's they're doing a nice thing. It's not a bad thing at all, but it's a harmful thing. So I, I don't see you as someone who's trustable. You're not going to lie to me blatantly about something that happened and say it didn't happen. But this lie is even more hurtful and harmful, I think, in some ways. Because I feel your no. Hopefully in the same way you feel my no. You know, hopefully in the way that we're all starting to learn to feel the no within a yes and feel a yes within a no. That one's a little more trickier. <laughs> that one takes a lot of time to practice and really knowing someone. But the feeling the no within a yes is something that I think is going to be so and this is the same, same, same thing for women. I mean, maybe even more of not people pleasing and saying no when you mean no. And so what I'm saying with all of this is what, what women want from men is your truth. Because your truth may be the very thing that leads us into a place we didn't even know we wanted to go. Maybe by you saying no encourages us to be a yes to ourselves. And we'll do that thing that we think we can't do. It might be a gift. It might lead to me finally X, Y, Zing instead of leaning on you to do it. And it's the same thing with like friendships. You know, if your friends aren't available to be a shoulder to cry on, it hopefully encourages you to hold that space for yourself. 
So we want that. And we also deeply, deeply want your heart and your presence, like your eyes. Oh my gosh, please give us your eyes, eye contact, like be with us, see us and hold us even after those very deep, beautiful, intimate moments that we have together. That aftercare thing to me is just a very big, luscious, yummy thing that men do. Conscious men is when me and him go deep in intimacy and sex or even moving through a fight and he checks on me the next day. Just something small. How's your heart? Oh my God. Oh my God. How's your heart? It's such a small thing, but it's like, oh, aftercare. He's holding me tenderly. It's the grace that follows any kind of deep, impactful opening. It's that sweet falling. Even if you're not there, like I can feel like I'm falling back into you because you've got me. That simple question feels like you've got me. So, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I think that's really great insight because I'm, I'm always, whenever I ask this question, I'm always listening from my own experience of well, where am I experiencing that in my relationship? And I know that with Carrie, that's one thing that she always wants more of for me is more presence, more attention, more of the eye contact. And I know for myself as a man, it's so easy to jump from tending one fire to tending the, the next, especially at the stage of life that I'm in where I'm building and creating a lot, which is so important to men and also people in their masculine is building something, creating something, building your empire, whatever people are calling it these days and fulfilling my vision. And my relationship and my love with, with Carrie is one of those things. So if I don't have the tact or the attention, then she feels like one of those things <laughs> instead of my heart that lets her know that I do love her a lot. Because when I do take the time to pause and check in with myself, I love her, you know, more than she can really even understand. But it takes that level of attention and energy for me to remind her of that. It doesn't have to be this big Hollywood romantic movie thing all the time just has to demonstrate a level of care. Like you said, just the message, just the, hey, I was thinking about you. She used to tell me when I would check in on her, when I was still working as a physical therapist, I'd be on the road most of the day, or at least not away from home. And I would just text her and say, hey, I was just wondering how your day's going. I know you had a rough day yesterday. How's today? Is it any better? Just so she knows I'm thinking about her while I'm out doing other things, right? Is that kind of what you're speaking to there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the very simple, no reason at all. Like I'm just thinking about you kind of thing. And the question of how are you just checking in and we feel you feeling us. Mm, yeah, you feeling us like that is so precious. There's like this, something that I really really like is a delicate balance between processing and just being in the relationship. I think maybe there's a little tendency towards people who are getting deep into this work to want to understand all of it and ask questions about all of it. Like, for example, I had someone that that's very in his masculine, but sometimes he asks me questions after I say something and he asks me to explain. So maybe I'll use a word he doesn't quite understand and he'll ask me to explain. And what that does is that puts me back in my masculine. If I'm like, la, 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 my dog's so cute. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just making up example. And he's like, dog, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, the dog that's right here who looks like this. Like questioning is great. And you don't always need to understand everything in her world, especially if she's in a flow and you're communicating and, and the polarity is actually being lived. You don't need to talk about it. 
or process it or dissect it. Just let it happen. Like my favorite relationships are the ones where polarity is just happening and he doesn't even know. I know. I'm like, I feel it. Like maybe he's very in his kingdom, but feminine masculine work isn't his primary thing. I feel it. I feel that he is in his masculine. I'm like, oh, I feel bubbly. I'm leaning into you. I'm like kind of leaving my headspace. I'm in my feels. I feel turned on. And that to me is so much more attractive than talking about the dynamic that we are currently experiencing and how my body is feeling and how does your body feel. I get that a lot. And I don't know if other people do, but many times I meet people and they want to process what we are experiencing. Do you feel my breath is deepening right now as the masculine being that I am? Yes, I feel that your breath is deepening. Like, (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. Like, let's just do it. Because in a way, that's another kind of little sneaky way that the I want to be a good boy comes into play. I want to do this right. Yeah. Well, I love that you bring that. It's a really funny example too, by the way. I've I've not yet heard much of that, but I can see where that's happening. It's probably because guys aren't talking about that. They don't want to own that that's how they're showing up in their relationships, but it's good. It's honest. And I I appreciate you bringing that awareness to the table because I always trust the hearts of men. You know, I know that even when I see a guy doing something like that, I know he's just in our heart of hearts. We just want to be of service. We just want to take care of. And sometimes it's a bumpy process. Yeah. And sometimes it's fine. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I want to talk about this. Sometimes I love it. So that's the, to highlight that there's nothing wrong about it. There's no right or wrong, shame or blame. We do it as women all the time. And in other ways, we do that too. (laughs) And it's just something to contemplate and be curious about. Why are you asking? Like, why do you want it to process or explain something? Well, and I know that guys, because I am one, we're always looking for the tried and true method. If I can figure this thing out, and I'm not calling women things. I'm just, but everywhere in our lives, we're like, if I can figure this out and find the most effective way of approaching this, I'll never have to think about it again. And then I'll have more bandwidth to do everything else in my life. And, and that's the beauty of polarity, right? Is that it's not that simple. There's no one move you're going to need all the time. And if you want to be in relationship, dynamic relationship, that is, that has all the rewards and benefits of being so expansive, you know, the highs of love and ecstasy and intimacy and the lows of grief and and pain and hurt, then you got to be more flexible than just tell me what I need to do. And I'll do that thing every time just so that I don't have to think about it and worry about getting it wrong. And it most likely won't work the next time. Just being honest, like it probably won't. So you might as well just like let it like let it be its own thing, then let it go. (laughs) Right. Which opens up a bigger conversation, but I'll just footnote it for now is the responsibility of the masculine to listen, right? That, That analogy of the container, the container is constantly listening for how to direct energy what is needed, what kind of response is needed for the way that the river is surging right in this moment. And you can only feel that by having your fingers on the pulse of that energy, right? You have to dip your hand in the water to know what's going on in there and then say, oh, okay, what she's asking for, what the feminine is asking for is, and you present one of those moves versus I'm I'm just going to do the same thing every time pulling the same trump card. That was so good. I love everything you just said. That was very poetic. I love the dipping the fingers in. It's such a beautiful visual. Yeah, because her body, you dip your fingers into her body. That's what you do energetically, physically. That's how you feel her. Even whenever you're not in the same room as her, you're dipping your fingers into her asking, what is it that she needs today? What is it that she wants today? Oh, so beautiful. (laughs) Well, good. Let's leave it on that note with a couple of quick lightning round style questions. You ready for that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what do you love and appreciate the most about men? Hmm. 
Gosh, so many things. I really love men. Uh, scent, stature, tone of voice, strength, foreshadowing, castle-esque presences. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people could see the motion you yeah. just made because I feel like that captures it all. It's <laughs> oh, just this vast, beautiful, thick, mm, I got you, my little Thumbelina kind of energy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So in contrast, what frustrates you most about men? Uh, yeah. Sometimes manners. That's what comes up first. Guys who burp and then blow it is like the most disgusting thing in the world to me. I can't, it's the first thing I thought of because it just like, I can't, I can't. And then I like a little mess, but maybe not in that way. And I would say defensiveness and a small capacity to hold, not training themselves to be able to hold this truth and that truth, his feelings and her feelings, work and relationship, kids, and like having a small capacity. I want to have some room in there so that we can have a large permission field to mess up. Nice. Awesome. What is one thing you've learned that you wish you knew when you were 18? Oh, um, I would say there's so many things. I would say... I wish that I knew how numbers, an obsession with numbers and counting like calories and steps and weight, all that was just leading to disembodiment. I don't think I would understand that if I had even heard that back then, but I wish I could have understand the debilitating side effects that numbers and degrading myself to numbers was having on me as a girl. Mm. my confidence. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's a really good one. A little known fact about me. I don't know if I ever mentioned this here on the podcast, but I also did bodybuilding when I was in college. And so I know that whole game. Yep. I was counting the calories, boiling the chicken, a lot of, <laughs> I totally get it. I, in fact, I would say one of the first personal development books I ever read was a book called The Adonis Complex because it was basically the complement to anorexia that was emerging in our culture around, it was called bigorexia and and the book was called Adonis Complex because of men who literally had a misperception of how they viewed their body. You know, that they, we saw ourselves as smaller, so we had to get bigger, which, you know, in contrast to anorexia. And it it spoke so much into the male and masculine psyche. I I read it when I was 19 years old and I was going through it myself. So anyway. Wow. That's so fascinating. That's really interesting. I'm so glad that you made it out and you found your way to this work. And I think it's very connected. It's not surprising this whole bodybuilding and obsession with creating a physical armor leading to both you and I deepening in our emotions and like embracing what's real and embracing. In my book, I have a chapter that I'm titling Magnetizing Me Thrill with a little better sign or is better than archaic armor because I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd and me thrill is like that super delicious, very thin, flexible material and how magnetizing me thrill is so much better than archaic armor. And it's going to be about the bodybuilding time in my life and that kind of armor. Nice. I like that. Okay, cool. So we got a nice little trivia bit about you being a Lord of the Rings nerd too, right in the end. Squeezed it in. Yeah, it's very deep. (laughs) Awesome. So last but not least, where can people go to find you, follow you, find out more about what you're offering, including when the book is coming out, maybe? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So you can find me at maddiemoon.com. And if... 
you are interested in getting on my email list and learning more about feminine and masculine dynamics, you can do that by going to maddiemoon.com forward slash free gift. And you will see there on that page, several different free gifts. One of them is five ways that men can gain some credibility with women and like feel more seen and held or how women will feel more seen and held with men. So there's a PDF of that in there. And you can follow me on Instagram at Madeline Moon. That's where I do a lot of my writing of course, all free. And it's just really helpful about how men and women connect and can deepen intimacy. And then of course, my podcast is Mind Body Musings. And that's been around for about seven years. Lots of great juicy episodes with men and women. And I will be having Jetty on here very soon. So I'm very excited to dive deep with you over there. And the book is currently in process. So we don't know about that yet, but stay tuned. Gotcha. Well, <laughs> when the book comes out, we'll have you on again and we'll we'll talk all about all the amazing musings you got there. Thank you so much for all of your brilliant wisdom and presence here today. It was really great to drop in with you and looking forward to hearing more of what you uncover along the way. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you go to risingman.org to check out all the links and resources that we spoke about here on this episode and all of our others. And while you're on the website, make sure you go check out our Elements three-day wilderness immersion that's happening in just a few weeks. Get yourself registered and enrolled today. Please subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Shout outs to the Power Squad, Rowan, Sean, Julian, Ryan, Mark, and Kyle. I love you guys. So grateful to have you guys on my team. And even as everybody's listening to this right now, we should be on the road together, taking our buses across the country. So appreciate you guys for everything you do. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.